would you like to make one simple decision that'll change your life forever? Okay, I'm glad Scientology works for you, but... Just listen. What if I told you that I have the cataclysmic power to give you anything and everything you've always dreamed of? Who are you? Promise not to tell anyone? Okay. Cross your heart and hope to die? Okay. <laughs> I think somebody's had too many martinis. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Posh Presents Pictures Pow Wow. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I am Bartek. Bartek, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Um, very well. I'm very, very well. Very I'm well. doing very well. I'm Polish and I spit, so I'm doing very well. <laughs> uh, Dobrze. We- Oh, whatever that means. I don't speak Polish. Uh, so we are doing our show Pictures Power, the show in which we uh, cover a movie that has come recommended. Uh, the order of it is Bartek, then me, then listening people. We happen to be following on a listening people's recommendation this episode. Mm-hmm. At the end of last episode, I said what the movie was and uh, who uh, and whom it was recommended by Bartek. Could you regale us with that recap? The recap. Previously. <laughs> Previously on Twin Peaks episode, mm-hmm. hasn't happened in a while. Uh, we have chosen Bedazzled from 2000, starring Brendan Fraser. Oh, sorry, is it Fraser or Fraser? It's not Fraser. Fraser. Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley. Yep, that's right. Uh, not the 60s one. Uh, and it was recommended to us by my stepbrother, Machek. Did you tell him that we were doing this? Or you have you informed him in any sort of way? Uh, no, but I'll tell him when I get home tonight. And he'll be very excited. Uh, we are doing 2000 Bedazzled. Uh, we will be talking about this in depth, spoilers and all. So if you have not seen this, do watch it, uh, because we are going to be talking about it. And uh, it's a light, entertaining movie. It, it breezes by pretty quickly. It's an easy find. Uh, if you're entitled to, you can even watch the original movie and give us some insights on it, because to get into the history of our relationship with this movie and the original movie, I have seen this movie, I have not seen the original movie, I have honestly not seen much of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, Dudley Moore or Peter Cook's stuff, honestly, I'm aware of them as comedic titans and people of that time, but I have not actually watched much of their stuff. As I have mentioned on the show before, the when it comes to comedy, I'm a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to the 60s and uh, early to mid-70s stuff. I'm a bit more mid-70s, later 70s onwards, and or the 50s backwards kind of stuff. The 60s to the early 70s are a little bit of a blind spot, and they kind of happen fall in that era. Yeah. So We've done Pink Panther, it's good enough. I've done Pink Panther, so it's good enough. And so I'm a bit blind on that, but I have seen this movie before. I grew up with this movie. This was one that I owned on DVD. This is one I've watched on TV many times. I know it pretty much like the back of my hand. Uh, the, you know, you watch it again and it just kind of like everything comes flooding back. Like the music, the credit sequences, you know, the the editing choices, the cinematography, the acting, the costumes, all this stuff. 
it just like is bombarding you and it's like oh yes I'm back in it now and it's one of those comfort movies that you watch where although I wouldn't necessarily call this the greatest film of all time it is a film that you I'm so familiar with it that I could put it on at any time and I would be in a pure zone of joy and comfort to give a little backstory about my viewing experience last night for it was um, you know Friday night my wife and I got home at different times from work and we were just really drained and kind of really snippy at each other. Just kind of, you know, the stress of the world is happening right now. We all know what's going on with the with the big life-altering, world-changing events going on. And <laughs> my wife and I both happen to work in industries in which uh, there's children and lots and lots of people. And we're like, oh, stressed out. And we we're kind of arguing with each other. And then we had to put this movie on. And we put the movie on, we we're still kind of bitter towards each other, but then the movie just kind of paved over all of that, and it was just a fun, joyous experience in time, and I'm absorbed back into the world of it, and I'm quoting it, and I'm like, oh, I love this bit. Or, man, Elizabeth Hurley's hot as shit. Like, uh, you know, you have to comment on that. So that's kind of my relationship and history, and even my viewing experience for the movie on this watch. Patsik, what about you? Do you have any history, relationship with this movie, the original, any of this? The original, no, and as for this one, I'd seen it once before when Machek showed it to me. I think it was about a bit over a dozen years ago when he showed it to me, and I remember really liking it, and uh, he, he had a downloaded copy of it, and I remember I specifically got him to copy a version for me, and I had to reformat my computer at some point, so I never ended up re-watching that <laughs> copy, but um, I'm glad that I finally have been able to see it again. And... Um, what do you think? Yeah, I enjoyed it again. So, Bartek and I are big fans of the Austin Powers movies. Oh, yeah. And this movie, obviously, has Elizabeth Hurley in it, who's in the first two Austin Powers movies. Really, the um, first one. She's in the opening sequence of the second. The girl from the second was in our last film. Yeah, 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 that's true. Unfortunately, so next week we're doing a Beyonce movie, right? Unfortunately, I we're could... doing the other Pink Panther? <laughs> the one with her in it? With Steve Martin? No, unfortunately. I was you thinking like, oh man, I, I really should pick a Beyonce film. And at one point I was like, I guess I could pick Goldman, but it's like, oh no, that's too, that's too on the nose. And I think we would rather, if we did Austin Powers, do them in order. Yeah. Like, maybe I could push us to do the second one because we've talked about it on air a bunch and... Everyone kind of knows my history with the second Austin Powers movie. But uh, Elizabeth Hurley's in this. So I've got to ask you about Like We all are familiar with who Elizabeth Hurley is. She's an actress, model, fashion person, all-round attractive woman. How familiar are you with her work, though? I mean, we know that you know Austin Powers, but have you seen her in much else? Off the top of my head, I can only really think of Vanessa Kensington and Austin Powers and and The Devil in This. So, those are two very different styles of characters and performances. This is a very mischievous, cheeky, know-it-all, smarmy, devilish character, while Vanessa Kensington from Austin Powers is a lot more prim, proper, by the books. Yeah. So, how did you feel seeing Vanessa Kensington, Elizabeth Hurley, kind of play this kind of character? It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more used to, when I think Elizabeth Hurley, I think of this. I think of this, because Elizabeth Hurley in real life has a very smart mouth on her, and she's kind of cheeky and rude and all of that. So when I think of Vanessa from Austin Powers, I think of that stepping out of her realm. Mm. 
not out of the realm of being a sexy lady, because that movie's all about her being sexy too, but being kind of prim proper towards everything is a little less familiar to me than kind of this, where she's more domineering and kind of uh, cheeky and rude and crude and uh, just all-round bitch. <laughs> very, very trickster. Very trickster. Um, yeah, and when it comes to Elizabeth Hurley, I've got to say, the Austin Powers movies, yes. This movie, yes. Uh, for me... My favorite Martian, she's in that too, the Christopher Lloyd, uh, Jeff Daniels one. I've seen that, mm-hmm. but I was looking at her IMDb catalog, and I'm like, I, you know, I haven't actually seen that much of her work as an actress, and she's been doing stuff in the interim, but I haven't seen it, and I was kind of like, is Elizabeth Hurley still around doing acting? I know she's doing multitude of things with the fashion world and modeling, and she was dating Australian cricketer Shane Warne at one point, and oh, okay. I knew that, but I kind of looked at her work, and she is doing stuff, but stuff I'm not particularly watching, like she was in some of Gossip Girl with our beloved, beloved Blake Lively. <laughs> Um, and I asked my wife, who has seen Gossip Girl, who Elizabeth Hurley was, and she had to look it up again and be like, oh, she played a sexy, sexy cougar. And I'm like, that sounds right. <laughs> so who have you seen more of, Blake Lively or Vanessa? I mean, Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley. I mean, I've physically seen more of her, at least as well. <laughs> she at least is not uh, fucking pussy. She actually at least wears re- revealing clothing in this movie as well. I like Blake Lively who's like, oh, I'll, I'll have a sex scene, but with all my clothes on, wussy. Like, not saying that Elizabeth Hurley gets fully naked in this, but it's like, at least she's playing the devil, man. My, he- my headcanon is that Elizabeth Hurley wanted to have a bathing scene in this, and they said no. They said no. Did you know that that schoolgirl outfit that she was a school teacher outfit she wears is her own <laughs> outfit, Elizabeth Hurley? So we're talking about Elizabeth Hurley, but she's not the lead of this movie. She is a lead, but she's not the lead. It is, uh, it is our boy, everyone's hero. I think this is an actor that everyone's kind of come around on over the last uh, five years or so, knowing his story and what's been going on with old Brendan Fraser and uh, Brendan Fraser and. He is a guy that people our age, we grew up with him, with the Mummy movies, or with Blast from the Past, Bedazzled, Encino Man, on and on it goes. And he kind of disappeared, and now he's back, and there's been a lot of stuff going on in his personal life, and it's kind of like everyone is rooting for him to come back. And he's been doing interesting projects, but I want to know your history with Brendan. Do you have one? Have you seen much of his work? What do you feel about him? We've talked about him on the show before with Monkey Bone, but just and to reiterate... And Dudley Do-Right. And Dudley Do-Right. And just to reiterate the points for those who haven't listened to that. Yeah, again, it's it's one of those uh, things that I everyone knows, but I just happen to kind of not know much of him. Uh, probably bedazzled. The one time I saw it might have been the first time I was really like aware of him. And then, you know, with his resurgence in the past decade, Mm-mm. hearing about him all the time, that was yeah. also a thing. I mean, let's not forget he was in Dickie Roberts. And he oh, yes. told us how to pronounce his name. Yes, that's right. <laughs> in that, uh, he played himself at least. But, uh, <laughs> a yeah. lot of people did in Dickie I'm... Roberts. Yes. Kaniki. The, Kaniki. The, the, but the he best child Kaniki. star. Yeah. <laughs> So, Brendan Fraser is one of those guys that I love. I grew up with the Mummy movies, I grew up with this movie, uh, my particular favourite out of his catalogue, although I think the movie is a little bit more flawed than some of his other movies, but it's just a movie that strikes me. 
is Blast from the Past, where he grew up in a uh, fallout shelter because his parents thought there was nukes being dropped on them during the whole Castro incident, mm-hmm. the Bay of Pigs incident, and then he goes up uh, above the ground in the 90s and he's like got this 50s attitude, but he's like a young guy. So it's a very interesting movie. Sounds it's good. one that strikes me very much. So it has some flaws, but uh, and his dad's Christopher Walken. Um, <laughs> good dad, good dad. And his mum's Sissy Spacek, so they're pretty great. Um, uh, but this movie and Brendan has always stuck with me. I, I, I've loved that guy. I'm really hoping, I'm really rooting for him. You know, just talk about his personal stuff a little bit. You know, he's been very open and very honest about the troubles he's faced in Hollywood. He was one of the first male actors to really speak out during that Me Too movement oh, that's stuff right. that was him. as yeah. well. And, you know, people at the time, more so than not, gave him a lot of pushback for that because, it, you know, because he's a guy. But now years have passed and there's other male actors that have come out. People are kind of like, oh, Brendan Fraser kind of like, not saying he was just the first, but he's kind of, you know, he kind of opened up when no one expected a guy to. So you could commend him on that. And then he's talked about like the brutal world of having to be a big guy but have to be fit and you know solid and like even in this movie you look at brendan fraser and you're thinking oh he's a bit he's a a heavy set guy but then you see him shirtless in scenes and you can tell like he's he's one of those guys he's a heavier guy but he's trying to be fit Hmm. for for movies so the mummy movies and and encino man george of the jungle how can we not mention george of the jungle and you know, he's been one of those male actors who have openly talked about how, how hard it is and how brutal the industry wants you to be physically fit as a guy. And, you know, he's one of the few male actors that have actually talked about that. So you've got to appreciate him for that. And he's just, a, and you know, he had a terrible divorce thing going on. And, you know, you just feel sorry for him. And I think one of the things about him as a person, as an, as an actor, because most of us are familiar with Brendan Fraser, the actor, not the man... One of the things that draws you to him and want you to root for him, even in real life, is you see it in this movie. He has something that few male comedic actors have in the modern era, which is he has a great sense of um, being humble and um, humiliation in his performance. Like, in this character, he's very pathetic in Mm. Bedazzled. But there's something almost... There's a sympathy and empathy that you get from how pathetic and humiliating and humble he is as a performer. And then you see something like The Mummy, where he's very bravado, (laughs) and you can see he goes through... And in this movie, he does all these different variations of of The Seven Sins and whatnot. You see him being a powerful Colombian drug dealer. But the thing that always strikes me with Brendan as a performer, I think what really draws us to him is that there is this kind of humbling nature in his performance that really draws you in those soft those you know his soft doughy features those those beautiful sad eyes that he has that just kind of make you make you feel for him even in yeah, movies was, where he's playing dickish characters or going through dickish things he, was you a, feel for him yeah in one of the earlier interactions with Elizabeth Hurley in this film it was when he was still like doubting her 
Um, but then there was a part where she like you know grabbed his face, mm. made him made him look into her eyes, and you got a like shot of his cheek, not like his yeah. front. And she just asked him these questions like, "Do you want this?" And he, you can just see him like slightly nod. And I felt like that was really powerful, even though you didn't get a front view of him. And it's not just that he uses it just for these emotionally manipulative scenes or these emotionally engaging scenes. He also implements it in his comedy. What I think most people our age, even if they're not familiar, is you know, there is a meme image from this movie, and that is the image of him reacting to the sunset at the end of that sequence in which he's the most emotionally... Um, Sensitive man in the world. M- and he's crying. We, I'm sure you've seen that image online. It's been used a lot for kind I'm of sure people I overreacting have. to things. I'm sure I have, but I can't think and of it. And he's using head. that humiliation that he has and th- that humility... And self-deprecation. Self-deprecation, yeah. humility, and humblingness to a comedic effect in, in that scene and in others in this movie. And he writes that thin line of using it for comedy and using it for drama in what is a light-hearted comedy throwaway film. I'm not saying that this is a deep, emotionally resonant film, but I will say as a comedy film... It has a message, it follows through on its intentions, and it stays true and honest to the characters for the most part. Um, how did you feel, Bartek, about this stuff? You know, about what, what did you get out of this movie? Talk to me about your experience. Yeah, definitely since I haven't seen it in over a dozen years, it was nice coming in like semi blind. I didn't remember what all the sequences were. Mm. In fact, I don't think i remembered any of them it was more like when i saw them i was like oh i think i do remember uh, this i could how could you ever forget the <laughs> colombian drug dealer sequence well, well some i of, think that's the best one some of them like i was guessing like oh was this how he was undone was this how he was undone and i was like oh that's how he was undone or yes. like what did elizabeth hurley screw up here for him yeah yeah like oh yeah he, he's a small dick doesn't he um yeah so it was it was very nice coming in like semi-fresh Mm. Semi-fresh. Semi-fresh. Um, Just like me in real life. To talk about a negative I have with this film, mm-hmm. uh, although I just said all this stuff about Brendan, I think the movie does a disservice to his character at the very beginning. We're introduced to him, and he's very pathetic. He's, he's a doormat. They literally say that in the title sequence. And... You get that feeling at the very beginning, but as soon as he meets Elizabeth Hurley, it's kind of like he's a different character. Yeah, he's not as... yeah. He's not as meek, and I think that's a problem of... You can have that journey throughout the thing, but at the very beginning, he does not have a backbone enough to even be snarky to his work colleagues, but he apparently has a strong enough backbone to face off against the devil... Yeah, very early on. And I love the dynamic that him and Elizabeth Hurley have. I love that back and forth. I love it. But I think that they set up his character as too much of a non-self-aware, meekish dweeb. And they even say in the trivia that they cut some of that down because it was just too pathetic. Yeah, I read that. But I think they did a disservice to him. I think he was played and, and written as too much of a caricature at the very beginning. And then once he meets Elizabeth Hurley, he kind of has opened up. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily something you can't do. I'm just saying, I think it was just too overwritten yeah, and I too think... caricature to make it work. Because you think about, it, here he is against the literal devil in, in their first scenes. And he's like being very snarky and dismissive and doing these one-liners and doing all these things. 
And yet a scene ago, he could barely talk to these dickheads at work. And I just go, I don't know. Yeah, I could see maybe if there was a bit more context added, I could see it as working, you know, well, because when we see him as being, you know, maximum pathetic, where he's talking Mm. to the people he knows, that's like his everyday life. These are people he already knows. People already know him. He's already got, like, misconceptions that they like him or whatever. Yeah. And then, like, the moment he leaves them, you know, he talks to Allison, he gets turned down, he's a bit upset. And then from that moment on, you know, that maximum dweebiness we don't see anymore, and that's when he meets Elizabeth Hurley, so... Yeah, I mean, he doesn't wear glasses ever again. Oh fuck! You're right. <laughs> I, did, I, I guess I guess he didn't need him. That's right. He wore glasses at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I guess he could see clearly. Um, but yeah, I I can see it being as a contrast between how he is with the people he knows in his everyday life, and then Elizabeth Hurley. But then we don't have as much back and forth there. It's pretty much there. The way we see it all through the movie, and then when he meets them again, he's already like changed. Yeah, and I think that's. A bad thing they did. I think it would have worked better if he had that dweebish attitude with her, even though you're missing some great one-liners or dynamic. You have it till the first wish, and then once the first wish happens and he comes back, then you have him be a bit more offset by the devil and a little bit more standoffish because now he has experienced the devil being evil to him. While the rest of the time... Even though there's really some great one-liners like, uh, you know, how, how, oh yeah, prove to me you're the devil and she gives him a business card that says the devil. It's like, oh, well, that proves it. Like, you got me there. And he like puts the card away on someone else's table. Yeah. Like, all oh, that's great. But I think that the film could have benefited from that just for a pure character sake. But again, this film isn't deep. This film isn't trying to reshape the world. It is just a fun remake in an updated fashion where we have a female version of the devil and she's played by Elizabeth Hurley and she's cheeky and we have an excuse to see Brendan Fraser go around running around doing crazy sketches basically they're the you know this dream this dream yeah, this it's, wish it's... this wish and it's an excuse to see him have fun yeah it's basically um what was the film we did with those guys from America uh oh god why am I forgetting it the one Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Which yeah, is basi- what we did on the Contrarians podcast. Not on this one, but on there. Oh, yeah, we were in this room. Yeah, yeah, but basically that, yeah, genre or, you know, setting sketches. Yeah, exactly. And this film is an excuse to see Brandon have fun. And I had fun. I had fun. Um, Did you have a particular favourite wish sequence? <sighs> yeah, a lot of them were really good. <laughs> The first one I really enjoyed. Oh, uh, the 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 Big Mac and Coke. Yeah, I agree. Yes, the glutton, <laughs> the gluttony wish. <laughs> <laughs> his first wish is that. What a bitch. <laughs> his his second wish, the um the one where he's rich and powerful. That's my favorite too. I mean, I I kind of spoiled it for your last episode where I was like, Cocahina. Where did I he didn't say even s- remember that. That is, I fucking love that. I like how they don't even need to subtitle it. You know, <laughs> but I love. You know, Brendan Fraser, he's speaking Spanish, he's doing all this, uh, you know, and he's making a point about, like, oh, my God, they said I could never learn this. And then he's like, biblioteca, and he's doing all these things, and he's really, really proud of himself. Yeah, and then there was that moment where he realized, oh, no, I'm a drug lord. I'm a Colombian drug dealer. (laughs) Oh, no. And then he could speak Russian, and he was like, of course I can. I love it. I love when he... I love 
that look they gave him. Like, they even gave him a, a more pronounced nose during that sequence. I loved also it sets up, because it's the first wish, that all of his colleagues are going to be somehow manufactured into his wishes as different things. Yeah. And they're all still... And, and Alison, the girl, is after. And they're all still attached to what their real-world versions are in some way, which are assholes. They're all assholes and traitors and not actually his friends. Mm. And I love that. Like, I love that little touch. And, like, and Allison is this vapid character in all of them because he doesn't actually know her. Yeah. He thinks he does, but he doesn't. And in so doing... You know, he's getting this vapid interpretation of her. Maybe she is a cool person in real life. We don't know. We never find out ourselves what Allison's really like. We only have these interpretations from the devil and from him. And that's it. And I love that she's a bitch in all of them, pretty much. Or, like, she's a vapid, self-serving character. Yeah, And so are all of his friends, because that's what they are all like. Yeah, they play up the idea that she doesn't know what she wants, because she's apparently meant to be, like, a similar type of person to who she is in real life in all these, even though she's completely different each time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, I love the Colombian drug dealer thing. It has so much fun. I love any time he says, Raul! And every time he says it, I, whenever I mention the name Raul, I always kind of say it in that inflection he does, where it's like, Raul, because he says it with such venom in his voice. And I love, 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 love when he rips off his own moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy that? It was funny. And then he had a little band-aid. <laughs> Did you have a particular favorite bit in this dream? Anything that stood out to you? Uh, I mean, honestly, when he talks to his butler the first time and he's, like, having this, like, self-shock that, oh, my God, I can speak Spanish, and the butler's just like, are you okay, sir? That that whole thing was pretty great. Now, did you remember that he was a Colombian who's going to be a drug dealer, or did you kind of realize it when he was kind of realizing it, too? I think the moment I saw him, I was like, oh, I think he's he's, like, a drug lord, right? Like, he's like Pablo Escobar or something? Yeah, yeah. He's like El Chapo, Pablo Escobar. I I love the the fact that um, in this sequence, they really spent all their money here. Like, you have all the cars and the helicopters and, like, the shootout and all this action-packed stuff. I This sequence is just so funny to hear him speaking Spanish and saying, Cocaína! Oh my god! <laughs> He's like flipping out about being a drug lord and how sorrowful he is about it. Like, oh no! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how clownish he plays it. And he really, really thought that it was like flour or sugar at the beginning. Like, what are you guys freaking out about? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I love, I love that he licks it and he's like. Pfft. I like how he knows it's cocaine. Yeah, I've wondered that. Uh, Well, you know, Brendan. Like when I was with someone a few years ago and they're like, oh, that smell, it's like weed. I'm like, oh, you smoked weed? I mean, dude, come on. You can just walk past anywhere and there's wafts of weed. I mean, I'll give that person a break. But how how likely are you as an individual interacting with the taste of cocaine? Mm. At least with the wafting smell of weed, you don't get that. You know, you know, you're not. Yeah, I know. It's it's more extreme than that. <laughs> but yeah, the waft, the, the taste of cocaine is a little bit more out there. But I love this sequence. I love that she, you know, it sets up that she's going to dick him over over and over again. And I love the fact that he tries his best to make sure that these things don't happen, but she always finds a way of of, uh, of dicking him around and betraying him. And I love, you know, 
there comes a point where you have to go, how are they going to do seven of these? Which they don't. They do, like, five or six. But Yeah, and one of them is really short. On purposely so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's you, the, yeah. You question why would he continue doing these? And I think, you know, someone who wouldn't like this film, they would make a fair point of, you know, after, like, the third one, you kind of know what the gimmick is. And it's, where is this going? Like, other than, oh, we're going to see a fun sequence of Brendan Fraser having fun. And then at the end, oh, he's a small dick. Or, oh, he's gay. And, you know, I could see that argument being made of, it's a bit repetitious. You know, there's a bit too much repetition. And... uh, I could see that uh, being a... I think that's a fair criticism, honestly. But I think that the film has such a light tone and quick pacing that it doesn't overstay its welcome for myself. And I enjoy all of the wishes. Some more than others. Like, the Colombian drug dealer one is my favourite. I think I then like the... the one where he's emotionally sensitive. I'm pretty much in order. Like, you know... I'm not a fan of Lincoln. I do like the Lincoln one, though. <laughs> I think I'm more of a fan of him being gay, intellectual, than doofy sports star. Although that is pretty fun. His sweat. His sweat. I love, you know, with Brendan Fraser, he has these little, intri- you know, these little Fraserisms. One of my favorites is when he does his dumb guy voice and or the shouting voice that he has so you know gotta give 110 percent, and he does that but i also love when he does little shouting noises like when he's typing in the numbers and he's too dumb to remember what they are and he goes like and you see his face animate he does that a lot in his work we've seen it in monkey bone and we've seen it in dudley do right and it's just one of those little quirks that you see an actor do and you go oh i've seen that before and it makes you smile and it's kind of hard pulling that card again brendan and it's kind of hard to describe like on imdb i don't think that's going to be in his trademarks of like trademarks he goes and he makes a face like that's something hard to write emoticon it looks like this you could make a super cut of him making those grunting noises and it would be great i'll just they're going yes yes give me them all so Bartek do you have any negatives for this film do I have any negatives um honestly I think I think it is such a light-hearted film that it can kind of get away with the few things that we've talked about so far like um, you mentioned some people might think that the, um, the, 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 the cycle, the pattern is repetitious. Mm. I, I, I mean, I can see it be justified in that, you know, he is such a, uh, low self-esteem guy that the devil's, you know, sweet words, even though we, the audience know like, oh, he's going to get fooled again. I can, I can really buy him being swindled by those words. Especially when she starts crying and giving that speech about like, I'm trying my best. <laughs> I'm doing this for the all of eternity. I didn't ask for this. I know, but she sometimes kind of frames it as like, oh, uh, you know, it's not my fault. You know, that you, you didn't word it specifically enough. I'm trying to help you. But yeah, then she also, then sometimes she's like, yeah. Yeah, but then she also sometimes has lines where she's like, oh, I'll, I'll think I can have fun with that. Or like, oh, damn, you noticed. Okay, I'll tell you my favorite joke in this movie. Yeah? My favorite joke in this movie, I've I've even mentioned it on the pod before. One of my favorite jokes in this movie, if not my favorite, is I want to be the world's most sensitive man. 
emotionally sensitive and ah, oh, I could have had so much fun with that. And I love that joke because could you think of the, all the possibility? You think of all the possibilities she could have gone with that. Reacting to every minor stimulus, yeah. <laughs> yeah, every one of them. I would have loved to have seen that one play out. And it's one of my favorite gags because just her reaction, just the banter and the, the scene playing out and their acting and their, you know, their rapport with one another. I haven't heard either of them talk about this film properly in any interviews i haven't looked it up Uh, but i'd be very curious to know what their relationship was on set because it seems so really flowing and genuine i think she has a much better rapport with brendan than she does with mike myers say yeah i feel like these two bounce off of each other more so but maybe it's because they're both very cheeky characters because he's very cheeky as well like he has his little little zingers in there like i love uh there's that line where he's uh he's like uh you're 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 a very beautiful woman in a strong forceful kind of way <laughs> and it's just very good uh a negative i have with this is uh i don't i never have i don't care for at the end he gets a girl and the girl happens to be the same actress who plays Allison. Mm. I, I don't. I've never cared for it even since I was a kid, and I don't necessarily understand the reasoning as to why it has to be her again. I could see the argument being made of, oh, you know, he pined for her, and this is kind of like a reward he's getting. But then at the same time, that's kind of like bad mm. that he gets a f- female trophy at the end who represents the woman he was interested in. Yeah, if he, if he went after her because she looked like Allison, that would be a bit shallow. But we know that they have stuff in common just mm. by how she plays it. But I don't care for that it's the same actress. I, I don't really care for it. It gives you that little bit like, do you have a sister? No, I have brothers. And... And that, but I, yeah, it was. I rather because... it have just been someone else, and it makes him feel a little bit less obsessive. Because to me, unfortunately, even though the film is light and the tone is there, and they do put the effort in of giving her a characterization that would match his character, she's basically a female version of him, which can also be tiresome to have uh, the romantic interest be the female, the opposite gendered version of the main character, but. I really think it does a disservice of having it be the same actress because it just kind of makes his character like an obsessive person in a way that I think his character's grown beyond. Yeah, that is true. I I mean, if I were to try to frame it in a positive light, I read somewhere uh, someone described his love for Alison as chasing a shadow, Mm. and this could be seen as, you know, chasing someone that he actually understands. And, you know, it's like the same person, but like one's not what he knows, one is what he knows. I could see that being a justification, but yeah, it is a bit weird, because she's, the way that she's... She's playing it very different. She's playing it different, and she looks a little bit different, too, from Alison. she's brunette hair. Like, it actually took me a second to realise, like, oh, it's the same actress. I think it was when he said, like, do you have a sister? I was like, oh, right. Her smile gives her away too much. She has a very distinctive smile, that actress. She's, Mm. I think, Australian. I think she's born in England, but she does Australian stuff. Like, I looked at her catalogue. Don't recognise her from anything else, but I, uh, but I've seen this right. movie. She's enough. Tony Abbott, yeah. She's Tony Abbott, uh, former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott, 
who is, by the way, different from Alison. So it would have I been haven't a seen choice. them in the same room. Uh, <laughs> she does a really great job to that actress. She has to play very different versions of Alison throughout all of them. I loved. I think my favorite version of her was the sports sequence version of her, where she uh, was the, the reporter, journalist, the because journalist. she really chews the scenery really well <laughs> in that scene. She like When she, she kind of just em- waits for him to get undressed, and she just kind of like crossed arms or whatever, she's just got this demeanor, I'm like, I fucking love you. <laughs> uh, I think it's a disservice to the film to have it be just the same actress. I don't know, I think it's a little bit too pathetic. Also, I think it would have been nice if maybe we saw um, his home... And maybe at the beginning you saw like a for rent sign or for sale sign or moving something or other. So then at the end when he does rock up home and someone's moving in, you have that little through line there. Just something a little bit more than just, oh, by happenstance he rides his bike home and there's someone moving in next door. Yeah, we hear um we hear we hear at one point when Elizabeth Hurley's describing like what he does when he goes home and mm. it's like yeah, but we don't it's told, it's not shown. It's not shown. I mean, it's great for that sequence where it's told because it's just showing how much the devil knows, but yeah. it would have been nice to maybe see his apartment and then set up that there's someone that it's either available to move into or someone's going to be moving into it just so that you have a, you know that little little bit more of a like ah cool they've set this up kind of thing just to add a little bit more to the script but that's fine and i don't know i think it's fine the ending of how he gets out of his contract is he does like a you know a purely selfless deed mm-hmm. uh i think it's okay i think it's a little bit i don't know it's weird it's cheesy. That's yeah. what I'll say. And they play it cheesy. The music swells. He cheers. You know, like, although the movie has a light, cheesy tone, I feel like it's a little too cheesy for me. Like, that sequence in the, the courthouse or whatever. Although she is wearing a very mini, mini skirt in that scene, so I'll give it a pass. But uh, I heard you say mini, me skirt. I'm like, no. She's wearing a mini, me skirt. She died before we saw mini, me. Yeah, that's true. What a bummer. Mm. Um,. Well, she was dead the whole time. <laughs> she was a fembot all along. Fucking liars. <laughs> Put that out of their ass. <laughs> we knew the whole time, Austin. We just didn't... Uh, we'll do that eventually. Um, I do... Yeah, I, I think that this movie has a lot of strengths that outweigh the negatives. Those are really my only negatives. I thought the movie has a very 2000s-y feel. Really? Is that a negative thing? There are some movies that just feel of their time, but that's not a negative. So a lot of people bring up as criticisms that, oh, this movie feels really 90s, or this movie feels really 2000s. We've done it on the show, but we usually bring it up as either an objective fact or, or a positive. When we did something like Spice World, or Empire Records, or Big Fat Liar, we brought up that they feel very of that era. But that can be a good thing. You know, it gives you this throwback to it feels like it was a simpler time back then. Honestly, I've never seen that sort of statement as a bad thing, personally. Oh, I have. I mean, I've done it sometimes, too. There are some movies that feel like, uh, like I've said on the air before, there are some 60s movies for me that I'm just not into because it's a little bit too of its time and some of those elements I just don't gel with. Those are personal things, or maybe those can be objective things, like sometimes filmmaking styles are a little bit too two of its time for audiences to get into now, and that's okay. You have to at least acknowledge that that can be a personal thing, you know, or to some movies are too, say, French, you know, or too American even. There are just some little things like this, and this film has a very 2000s feel, 
it was made it released in 2000 made in the 90s but it really does feel like a 2000s movie doesn't it yeah i'd say so so elizabeth hurley's in this we've mentioned a lot she is how did you feel about her portrayal of princess of darkness <laughs> the prince or princess rather <laughs> yeah i thought she was a lot of fun i um a couple of months ago, I actually played the first Bayonetta for the first time. And you thought she should play it? And when I watched this film, I'm like, I feel like this was definitely somewhat an inspiration for Bayonetta. It's like the exact same kind of voice. When she's in the, the second outfit, we see the skin tight thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like very Bayonetta. There was one part where she had long hair that reminded me of Bayonetta. It's just like, just give her a lollipop and magic hair and it's pr- probably very similar. Yeah, yeah, and really long legs. Long I mean, she has long legs, but you got to give her really long legs because mm-hmm. isn't that Bayonetta's distinctive visual? She has like these huge long legs. Yeah, yeah, and she's got the heels and the heels to help. I, you know, I've said love a lot, but really, this is a movie I just have a genuine love for. There's flaws and stuff in it, but it's just such a sweet-natured film. And Elizabeth Hurley's performance as Satan is really unique and interesting. This was probably, for me, one of my first introductions to a female interpretation of Satan, and one that doesn't just fall into being sexy. I think a lot of people will misinterpret that, because of course she is very sexy in this movie. She's wearing 19 different outfits, they're all very sexy. She has a sexual energy that radiates off the screen, but Elizabeth Hurley is using some supreme comedic acting skills here to really flesh out this character, to really amplify the nature of this interpretation of the devil. I do think at the very end of the day that uh, she genuinely liked him, and she was genuinely a good person, even though she is the devil and she's doing evil things. I think at the end when she says, you know, this whole good, bad, heaven, earth, heaven, hell thing, it all depends on you, the individual... I genuinely believe that. I think in this movie, that's that's where her and God are coming from. And I think it comes down to her performance really delivering that because she's obviously being very, very mischievous throughout. But I think there is a, a genuine nature there and that's through the performance. But I think a lot of people got to look over that because they're like, oh, it's Elizabeth Hurley. She's hot. That was one. Yeah, that was one thing I remembered. Like, oh, yeah, wasn't, wasn't she like super sexual? But then I watched it again last night and I was like... No, no, not really. Yeah, I mean, she's she's irradiating a sexual energy, but she isn't being over, over, overly sexual as the devil. She's not like, I want to fuck you, or like anything like that. She's she's just a... You know, basketball Allison was more like that. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And she, her interpretation of the devil is like... A very she, manic pixie dream girl. She, oh, yeah. Uh, her version of the devil is very much like, I got it, and I'm going to flaunt it. And... You know, it's not like she is gagging for it or something. Like like a lot of female interpretations of demons and or the devil have of like these being very like, you know, whorish kind of characters. Yeah. But this was one of my first introductions to the idea that the that the the devil could be a woman. And I find that very interesting. And it's something that I always find an interesting interpretation and an actor or actress's approach to playing a feminine version of Lucifer or Satan or Beelzebub or whatever you want to say. I always find them very interesting because we associate the devil with certain things. And seeing a femininity put on those things adds an extra level and flavor to that 
character of Satan that you bring in on your own because we all have our own baggage or interpretations of viewings of what we believe Satan to be as a character. Yeah. And each interpretation has to stand their own points. We recently did Legend, in which you had a devil in that, and he's very different to this devil. They're both very sexual, but I would say Tim Curry was way more ov- overly sexual. Yeah, horny for sure. He was very horny. Yeah. He had big horns. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like you find the common points of like what does every devil portrayal needs, and you're like, all right, is it male? What masculine things do we highlight? If it's female, what fe- feminine things do we highlight? Yeah. Um. Did you have a favorite line from her or moment from her? She has a lot of great moments. There's. There's too many to pick one, honestly, yeah. Any highlights? Any highlights? Just any comeback, she says, really. Like, oh, I could have had fun with that. Just the way, the, the way she acts, the way she says everything, it's it's just so great. Yeah, I like when she talks about God anytime and how bitter she is. It's like, I always want to hear about him. So it is a him. Well, yeah, like most men who think they're God, but this one's actually right. And Brendan's quiet and it's like, all right, you're asking that question. Yes, he's real and it's a guy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I, you know... Well, well, I, that, actually, yeah, that line was pretty good. Like, most men think they're God. This one just happens to be right. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite sequences is um, one of my favorite jokes is anytime he comes back from his wishes and she's doing some menial task and she's being evil doing it. <laughs> yes, yes. My favorite one is when she's being a nurse and she's switching out all their medications with like Tic Tacs and yeah, Skittles. And, and he's like, What do you do? You can't give people Tic Tacs. And she has a whole diatribe about like, you know, sick people their breath smells what i'm doing is a public service <laughs> placebos are a thing <laughs> placebos are a thing yeah but they need medicine <laughs> and i that's probably my favorite of her being like devilish out in the real world although i really do appreciate the school mom scene because what a bitch <laughs> like <laughs> and like mm, let's say 10 10 30 ish you know Get some sleep in you know no one needs to be up this now early. that is a service now that is a service and like the visual joke of you cut to that scene, you see her in that outfit, and then you see the table is covered in apples. Like, you know, they're so hot for her that they all gave her an apple. Because mm. that's what kids do for teachers in the old days. And uh, it, just that visual is hilarious. You, like, you already know that all these boys were horny for her and they gave her an apple. And obviously you have the, the devil and apple imagery is always always a thing too, because there's always that interpretation that the snake in the garden was in fact the devil. Uh, yeah, I, I also liked that, uh, is it the second dream? Was she in the first, I keep calling them dreams of their wishes. She was not in the first wish, yeah? She wasn't in the Colombian drug deal wish. It was, she kind of, she didn't always appear in them, right? But in the second one, she turns up with the dogs, Dudley and Peter, who are, you know, the original actors. That's a good question. Were were there maids in the first? She sequence? wasn't. I swear she wasn't in it. She's yeah. not in the Abraham Lincoln one either. She's not in all of the the, the wishes. She's a cheerleader in one. She's not even in the intellectual one, is she? I don't think she is. She only kind of appears every now and then to be a bitch or well, that, be that's, supportive. Well, you just like jotted out like half of them. So she was only in like what two or three? Yeah. So she's not in all of them, which is an interesting choice. It's like kind of like 
have her in all of them or not, it feels. It mm. feels a little odd that she's not in every one of them as some character that is there in the background. If she actually is in all of them, that'd be a fun thing to watch out for. What did you think, I don't know if you noticed, but in the scene where Brendan and her are talking in the car park after she's thrown the, the thing and the car's on fire in the background, like when she's in that red leathery outfit, mm-hmm. did you see the giant, like poster billboard thing behind them was just an ad with Elizabeth Hurley like sexually laying down with like a snake in her arm or whatever and it says like something like dreaming of me dot 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 no that's cool I I, I was was paying attention to the smoke just to see if there was like an extra gag with that no it's just like that's (laughs) happening in the background that's the gag Uh, so there's like little hints of like oh he's grabbing this image of her because I also like the film does go out of its way to show that no one else sees her other than God. Mm. Like, no one actually knows that she's there. Like, when he's talking on the computer screen and they show that shot where it's like the computer's not even screen. on. Yeah. Real good touch. Like, little, like that little touch reminds you that, oh, no one else has seen her. Or no one else is. Or, or maybe if they do, it's like for that scene only. But like, yeah, like the school scene. Oh, yeah, like the school scene or like the scene where she's kissing Brendan and there are those two women there. And I, I think at the police station, they acknowledge... Did they acknowledge her? Well, he says that she's the devil, but they don't acknowledge it that that's actually... like. But, she's they, but they see physic- her, yeah. Yeah, but whether she is a she in that scene... Like, whether she is... Only he can see her form and everyone else thinks that it's just someone... Well, we, we don't yeah, see like, that. Yeah, like... Only God knows in that scene. I see what you're saying. For for the most part, no one acknowledges her. Yeah, they they do a really good job of trying to keep her out of the things in a really interesting fashion. Um, We've got to talk about the wishes, one by one. Mm -hmm. The emotional wish, the the emotionally sensitive man... Oh, yeah, the emotionally <laughs> sensitive man. What did you think of that one? And also, what do you think how they made him look? Because they always give him a different look at each one. And His I... lips really stood out in that one. <laughs> His freckles. <laughs> yeah, that one... That one was pretty great. Just just seeing Allison want to say something, but, like... <laughs> he keeps interrupting. He keeps interrupting her, and he keeps genuinely, like, impressing her. Yeah. So it's like, she's got something to say, man, but she, even she can't say it, which again. His diatribes are so good in that scene, and his reaction to the sun. I can see why people have made it a meme. It's a great reaction image or gif as well. And he's just like, I love when he, again, he does that Bryn Fraser shouty, yelpy voice when he's sensitive, even when he's like, When were the damn things said already? And he has that noise that he (laughs) does as a voice. He's this very specific cadence. Every time it cut to that one shot of the sunset, it's just (laughs) funny. Like, oh, this is clearly him looking at it again. There's also that great bit where she's giving the lecture to him about what she wants and what kind of guy she wants. And then the guy from work, the douchebag, beach break, that's that's me. And she's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) And Elizabeth Hurley rocks up in that scene in a leathery bikini and some big dogs. And that's great. Uh, Sounds like she was wearing big dogs. (laughs) She had big dogs. I really liked her leathery bikini, but her big dogs really, really accentuated. Named Dudley, named Dudley, Dudley and Peter, (laughs) after the original actors from the original one. Uh, That scene is great. Uh, You know, it's all great. And then you have the sports scene. Yes, because he wants to be a big dumb guy. 
How did you feel about seeing Big Brendan, like how they CG'd him or like visually? Did you find I, it distracting? Did you notice it or did you just get absorbed into like, whoa? I fully understand what he means when Hollywood says that they need him to be fit. Yeah? He had to work very hard to get that tall. Yeah, he had to work <laughs> very hard to get that tall. Um, I mean, he was fit in that scene. I, 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 I didn't, I wasn't distracted by any sort of CG. I was just like, oh yeah, this, this is what they had to do. How else were they going to make him tall? <laughs> yeah, but like, it is freakish to it look at. It is very like, freakish. And his blondie hair and... The constant, like, waterfall of sweat when he was being interviewed by that first guy. I thought that was going to be your favourite one, because he does a dumb guy voice that I could see you really liking, like the whole, gotta give 110%, and, you know, <laughs> it's a team effort, there's there's no I in team, there's, you know, 110%, and then when he's being interviewed, like, talking to her later, and he still doesn't know what to say, he's like, oh, you know, it's just 110%. I can see you really having a affinity towards that scene. I, I have a lot of high marks for it. My favourite part of it, though, is when he was not able to enter in the 666. Yes. Uh, and then when he flips it over from the 999, he's like, oh, duh! <laughs> One of my favourite little gags in that, it's uh, his two work friends are the commentators. Mm-hmm. And there's the one who's doing, like, the the black guy from from Office Place. And evolution, he's kind of doing the, like a you know this kind of voice, you know. And then the other one, he's kind of speaking a little like this, you know. And they're obviously imitating real commentators, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I noticed but that. I love the back and forth between them. It reminds me that of dodgeball a little between Cotton and uh, I can't remember the, what Jason Bateman's character was called, but it reminds me of their dynamic, but earlier before that. And but I love one of my favorite things is. Uh, the one who speaks like this, he's like, he, you know, he's six foot seven, but he comes across like he's 11 feet tall. And then the other one is like shocked. And he's like, uh, uh, I wouldn't say he's that tall. <laughs> and then he has to explain <laughs> what he means. And the guy's still like perplexed. He's like, oh, okay. Like he just goes on. It reminds me of our dynamic. You're the black guy and I'm the one who speaks a little like this. Well, I'll say something and you're like, uh, I don't think so, Ryan. And I'm like, okay. What do you mean I'm black? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what people can't see right now is Bartek blushing. He's like, he figured it out. The only things I see are you and your Paul G. Marty desktop. That's it. Uh, the intellectual one, though. Did you remember that the one where he's a smarty pants, Brendan? Did you remember that what his Achilles heel for that one was? No, that one I was trying to work it out the whole time. Then when he entered the bedroom and like the lights turned on, it was like instantly before I saw the guy in the bed, I was like, oh, he's gay, isn't he? It was like, there we go. That one took me a while. It wasn't like the you know, drug dealer one. That one's amazing. <laughs> I love, love, love it. I love, love this being said a lot in this episode, but I do. <laughs> I, um, I, I like the part where he... The, the the magic of that scene, the magic that was put on him, made it so that, like, oh, no, he genuinely feels he is gay. Yes. It's not like, no, 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 this is just a setup, and I have I can't convince you because of the setup. It's like, no, I just kissed you, and I realize I am gay in this fictional yeah. universe. the music swells, and then it drops. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm gay. And then they shake hands awkwardly, <laughs> and she leaves. And the, the guy from the office has, like, foppish hair, and he's like, this is like that time you drank all those margaritas, and you started singing this song, and Brendan just got his hands over his face, like, oh, God. I like when in his dreams or wishes, when he acknowledges that the devil has screwed him over as well, like in the dumb guy one, that bit, you know, like, God, what did she do to me? <laughs> Come on! 
And I like how the setup of the the president one was immediately like, oh, this historic event, and oh, this ends badly. I need to get out like immediately. <laughs> I love the how short. I mean, that one has to be short, but yeah. it is a welcome pace of cha- like change of pace because, yeah, she immediately fucks him. Fucks him immediately. Yeah. You're Abraham Lincoln. Ah. At the theater. At the theater. You're like, ah. And he's like, I've seen this play before. No, it's a new play. It hasn't been put on before. I was like, oh, I know how it ends. <laughs> I do like that John Wilkes Booth waits for him, though. He's like, hold on, hold on. Okay. There you go. Yeah, they're, they're very fun. Now, when it comes to the big climactic moments... Of the movie, <laughs> when you said big, I thought you were going to be Big Mac. When you come... You really are thinking about that Big Mac. I was going to mention the Big Mac is a part of the climactic struggle of when she fucks him over on the contract. How did you feel about that whole thing and how it kind of all comes to a head? I mean, my immediate thought was, well, that was before the contract was signed, but I, I guess... The, She's the devil. Yeah, I guess the big thing is he doesn't. You know, there's a million stacks, and he only reads the front page, and that also was like a double thing. It was like, oh, a part you didn't read screwed you over. You actually had six wishes after signing the contract, but also a part you didn't read got you out of the whole situation. Which is fair. Uh, she does point out no one ever reads the contract, which is true. No one six ever. Six thousand years, and he's the only one that actually fulfilled that line. <laughs> Yeah, right? Which is an interesting little tidbit. And I like how he respects her position enough not to tell anyone about it. I kind of would have liked to have seen a fun sitcom of the her and him just being friends. <laughs> like, he's going about his everyday life and Elizabeth Hurley just, like, opens the door like Kramer and she's like, Whoa, Brendan, let me tell you about this. Like, the, the same blueprint of their dynamics or set after the film after the film after the film but she's they still got that dynamic where it's like basically i I would like it to be basically he's trying to reform the devil (laughs) that's true i mean even though she and god are on good terms let's not forget she did cause a huge traffic accident (sighs) man and she's killed old people in hospital probably no placebo placebo oh right 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 bartek I've just got to say this, and I, I don't know if this came to your head straight away, but we meet God in the movie. Yes, and he was black too, just like two other things we've watched. Say their names. Say their names, that's Evan Almighty, and... Well, technically, they weren't calling him God, but Father Figures is the universe. Yes. This came first out of those. Oh, when was Bruce Almighty? Bruce Almighty was like 2003. Oh, Okay, well, that's... I saw, I, I saw it after. Bruce Almighty's... But after this. Female devil, black god, you win. This... I'm not saying that this film's groundbreaking, but it sure did pave the road for the interpretation of God being a black man. And I think we've got to thank Brendan for that. He really helped pave the way for black people yeah, to I, play God. Yeah, I, I don't know the actor's name, but I know Brendan's name. We should thank Brendan and the British Elizabeth Hurley. You know, we should thank both of them. Not the American Elizabeth Hurley. Not to get her confused (laughs) with Beth Hurley, the American (laughs) Elizabeth. She would be called Beth. Yeah, that's... Or Betty. Or Betty. Yeah, I was going to say Betty. (laughs) Bets, if it's from the 50s. Uh, I am, of course, joking, but although God is very minimal in this movie, and I don't 
remember who that actor is. I think he did a very good job, and I thought his character, although a little bit ham-fistedly in there as, like, magical black man that solves the crisis at hand by spouting off words of wisdom. Oh, yeah, magical black man. Uh, this wasn't written by Stephen King, oddly enough, though. So, is it really the magical black man that comes out of nowhere? Was it written by the guy that made Year One? Sure it was. It was directed by him, at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harold Ramis, Mr. Ghostbuster himself, Harold Ramis. Uh, yeah, this movie is just a fun little detour into what if the devil and I signed a contract? Can I have fun with that? And uh, it's a fun time. Maybe one day we'll watch the original. I hear the ending's different in that one of how it all kind of works out. And that Elizabeth Hurley in that sequence where she's on the bus and she's wearing like the little glasses. Those are like what the devil wears throughout the movie in the original one. Like the little little roundy sunglasses. I'm sorry, with the bus scene. Where they're going to get McDonald's. Oh, right. Yes, they catch a bus to Macca's. To Macca's. That's what they said in San Francisco. Macca's. Cunt. Uh, <laughs> cunt. Having a Macca's run. I'll give you a gobby for some Macca's cunt. <laughs> now that's a very Australian term. And that was Brendan Fraser saying it. And Elizabeth Hurley, she just said, fuck off, you nugget breeding maggot. That's what she said. <laughs> very Australian, this episode. <laughs> you dog. Uh, that's all I have to say about Bedazzled. It does its job very effectively. It's just a very cleanly done comedy film with an interesting premise, some great performances, some fun direction, great choice of music, just sound score and soundtrack is very fun. Mm-hmm. It adds to the journey of it. Just an all-round good time. Although there's some things that I think could have been improved, they're not deal-breakers. Like, for instance, recently we talked about Small Soldiers, and that movie's also a fun little ride, but there were some, like, negatives that I had that kind of were like, you know, they're not deal-breakers, but they are big problems. This isn't as bad as that, necessarily. These are just little, little problems that I have, and problems I could see other people having, but for, for myself... This is just a fun, entertaining, turn-your-brain-off movie. And if you do have your brain on, you can appreciate the performances that are coming from our two leads and the uh, chemistry from them. And just looking at Elizabeth Hurley is something. She is very attractive in this movie. I don't want to just throw away that there is a part of that. Like A part of this movie is just an excuse to look at Elizabeth Hurley be hot. and um, But she does then deliver a great performance as well. But... She is very attractive. Mm. Much more attractive in this than the Austin Powers movies. I, I-, I personally think. I remember when we did an episode and uh, I mentioned that uh, Heather Graham was my sexual awakening and our guest Saurab was very displeased because Elizabeth Hurley existed from the first one. And I'm like, yeah, but I just didn't find her as attractive, I guess. Or I was a bit older, too, when I saw the second one. But uh, looking at her in this movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's very, very hot in this. Austin Powers, like, she's she's very attractive, but in a much more mild-mannered kind of way. Bartek, yes. your final thoughts? Uh, great film. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, acting was great. Comedic acting was mm. really good. I think, yeah, the chemistry that these two have is something that really should not be understated. It was, yeah, definitely the highlight of the film for me. Yeah. Well, that's about it for Bedazzled from 2000. Can't wait for them to remake it. 2000 and zero. I can't wait for them to remake it with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart. Of course, Dwayne plays the Brendan role and Kevin Hart plays Satan. 
Oh, I was going to make a joke and say that Rebel Wilson should be the devil. Fuck you. Get out. <laughs> get out. But it's an Australian no, film. No, I'm done. <laughs> Just pushes the <laughs> mic away. I can't believe that. Here in Australia, Rebel Wilson started from two things primarily. A TV show called Fat Pizza, in which she played a... Uh, I don't even know how to describe her character, but... Obese wog? But yet she wasn't a wog, is the problem. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, and then the other show being a sketch show called The Wedge. And I can't believe that The Wedge and Fat Pizza, instead of being the height of her career, were launching pads <laughs> for her to fucking talk at the Oscars and shit. I can't get past that. Well, yeah, a launching pad for cats. Uh, also, hashtag release the butthole cut. Just got to say that now. Do you know about this, Bartek? There's apparently a cut of the movie Cats in which they had digital buttholes. I think and I people have. really, really want them to release the butthole cuts. I haven't heard the hashtag, but I think I it, might It was have a trending hashtag. But, uh, so, guys, instead of talking about the virus that's killing the universe right now, how about we hashtag release the butthole cuts? We'll do an episode on cats oh, I was gonna when they <laughs> give us the butthole cuts. Yes. I was going to say, we refuse to do cats until we get the butthole Until cut. we get the butthole cut, okay? That's I, all I'm going to say. And I only we'll just heard of it now. And, I and we'll refuse yeah. to do Freddy Got Fingered until they give us the Tom Green cut, in which, you know, there's, a, there's apparently a Tom Green cut, in which it's his director's cut that actually makes sense out of the title. <laughs> no, I... Wait... More so. Like, More the Freddy so, Got yeah. Fingered doesn't even matter in Freddy it's, Got... It's just one of a million things in the film. Random detail on Freddy Got Fingered. You can just tell by watching Freddy Got Fingered that there's elements that are just kind of cut out of it. You can just abruptly tell, like, that whole sequence in the mental institution or whatever, that the home for abused boys or whatever. You can tell that shit is cut down majorly. And mm. apparently Tom Green is like, yeah, there's a different cut of that movie, but they won't let me release it. <laughs> release the green cut, motherfuckers! Bartek... I do believe next week it is your episode, or next episode is a movie that you are delivering on to us to watch. What is the film? Yes, this is the... Uh, I also have a little cycle with mine where I pick an American movie one Or at time. least a Western movie. Western, well, I, I go with American. This one, I'm going to say, though, is... Uh, it's one of those like joint productions between a couple of countries, but I'm counting it as like mainly American. But we already did Thunderpants. Hmm? We already did Thunderpants. I believe this one is America, UK, and Canada. No Germany. Uh, okay. We did Germany last time, Ryan. Okay. Uh, it's a film I've mentioned to you before, and it comes from the classic catalogue of films I saw in the cinema with my mum. It is Una from 2016. Oh, and Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. Oh. And Rooney Mara, I believe. Yes. Creepy Ben Mendelsohn, if I do believe. Una from... 2016, I believe, 2016. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, I'm, I'm excited. I, if you don't know, I'm a big Ben Mendelsohn fan, for those who may not have heard. I am a huge Ben Mendelsohn fan, and I often ask Bartek about this movie because I'm like, is he good in it? And the answer was always, yeah. And I just have never got around <laughs> to, to watching it, so I'll be very keen to watch it. So make sure everyone to check out that movie for next episode. Um, it's an intense movie, so... It's a drama. Yeah, it's a drama. But it deals with some intense ideas. Yeah, the, the so sort of, like, distant aftermath of some intense stuff. So, keep your eyes peeled and if you're, if you're sensitive to some stuff. But, uh, I'm excited. Bartek, where can people find us? You can find us on the internet. Okay, by cool. looking <laughs> By looking Bye. up... <laughs> 
by looking up Spit and Polish Presents on various websites, such as Google, Twitter, Podbean, hey, Facebook, Facebook, YouTube. Make sure you add the Presents or else you get some shoe shining videos. Spanish. That streaming Spanish site. site. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, the podcast itself is uploaded on Podbean, but it's moved onto a lot of different platforms, such as Google. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the aforementioned Spanish one, oh, yeah. uh, Stitcher, I think's one of them. All of the big boys. All of them. You said there's one that we're not on, right? Or I don't think so. Or, or we got on that one at some point. We got him. Oh, em. Google Plays was it? We got him. We got it. We got it. We got that. Hashtag got him. Hashtag butthole cut. Release it now, bitch. <laughs> of this episode. Yeah, give me the butthole cut of Bedazzled where Bartek... Every fourth line. Every fourth line, Bartek's little butthole goes... Th- <laughs> That's the cut I want. I want the cut of that episode where every four <laughs> seconds you hear a little... And every every fourth time it hits every fourth line, it goes, take off your undies so I can breathe more, cunt. Mac is run. <laughs> Gobby. <laughs> Fully sick. So that is it. You can rate and review us on any podcast that allows it. We have an email. Yes. Spitandpolished at gmail.com in case you do want to email us with your thoughts, feelings, suggestions for movies to do down the line, so on and so forth. Bartek, before we do wrap up, I have got to ask you, we talked about this briefly in Legend, but we didn't really get into it, but in this movie we should. Do you have a favourite interpretation of the devil in any piece of media? Ooh, the favourite interpretation of the devil. Um, It's a hard question. There's a good amount of them. Yeah, you, you've sprung it on me. Uh, spring trap. Spring ding ding. Uh, you could say South Park. I was thinking South Park. That was a funny one. Big, muscly gay man who's in an abusive relationship where he's the abused one. We already talked about the Tim Curry one. No. <laughs> oh, God. Um, my mind's just running through a bunch of things and I'm just not thinking of ones that have the devil in it. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's hard for me, too. It's like there's so many great uh, versions, but i got to say one of my favorites is, and I mentioned it actually last week, is uh, Ray Wise as Satan in the TV show Reaper fucking love that performance oh, yeah, you love that, that show hashtag bring back reaper that's all that's all from me but there's too many but i know i sprung it on you but i thought you may have some quick fire response of like one that at least you go oh yeah i mean i guess the south park one for how, how out there it is but that's you know, are there any video comedic. game ones that stand out i don't know any video i don't think i've really played any video games with satan actually in them as much like i know there are many but i can't think of one that off the top of my yeah, head the, that the, i've played when you asked me that question from any piece of media i was like uh, thinking of like some video games some movies and i was just not hitting any that had satan in them yeah uh have i played any like games that have biblical things in them devil may cry devil may cry oh, that's more about like demons in the underworld like Dante's Inferno? I haven't played Dante's Inferno. Uh, Crash Bandicoot? I've played Crash Bandicoot. Okay, cool. That's the answer. His favorite <laughs> Devil's Revolution is from Crash Bandicoot. You figure out which one it is. There's no Tasmanian Devil in there, is there? No. <laughs> so, until next time, listening people, remember, who's your favorite devil? Mine's the one in the game where the guy gets the... <laughs>